On today's episode, Luke Richardson was officially announced as the new head coach earlier this morning. I'll get into some more on that, plus a few other Blackhawks tidbits as now all 32 teams enter the offseason. Then I'll get into forward Tyler Johnson's 2021-2022 season recap. And to wrap things up, per usual, to start off the week will be our Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, June 27th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And real quick, I got to remind you all that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, which is both the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and Vegas casino games here in 2022. Bet Online, where the game begins. And if you're listening to the audio version of today's show and you like what you're hearing, please be sure to go and show some support first by following the podcast, which will only take a quick couple of seconds, literally just a quick click of the button will help me out tremendously. Be sure to go and leave the show five stars if you like what you're hearing today as well. And if you're tuning in through Apple Podcasts or through Spotify, then definitely go and leave me a review because I always appreciate getting some good feedback from all my wonderful listeners out there. And best of all, it's 100% for free wherever you may be listening to your podcasts, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, etc. It's all 100% for free. And if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And if you're not already watching the video version of today's episode and you're looking at my lovely face, be sure to go and check out Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube because each and every episode, folks, I've said this plenty of times by now, uh, but each episode throughout the rest of the summer into training camp this fall is going to have a video attached to it as well. So if you haven't done so yet, please go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube, trying to keep boosting those numbers up. Be sure to go and smash the like button down below and comment as to what grade you think Blackhawks forward Tyler Johnson deserved for his short performance this season. And last, go and ring the bell, turn on those push notifications so that way you can get notified when the episode gets uploaded to YouTube each and every day. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you all for tuning into another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks, and for making the show your first listen here to start off your week. Hope everyone. Had a lovely weekend. It was some gorgeous weather for the most part, except for Saturday. It got a little crummy, but a lovely day yesterday. I hope everyone was able to make the most of it and enjoyed themselves over the weekend. Uh, But of course, it was a pretty chaotic week last week for the Chicago Blackhawks with the Ryan Huska fiasco. And then uh, Friday morning was a whirlwind all in its own. Scott Powers provided us an update early in the morning saying that the Blackhawks were expected to name their new head coach within. A week, and that the three uh, the three final candidates appeared to be Derek King, Bradshaw, and Luke Richardson. And then, literally an hour after he 
uh, published that article, the Blackhawks go out and name Luke Richardson as their 40th head coach in franchise history. Congratulations to Luke once again. And from all fronts, I'm hearing like he is a, a really good fit for the Blackhawks in the, the spot they're in right now. He's got great experience at the NHL level, obviously a 20 year career played over 1400 games as a defenseman. He's worked as a defensive coach uh, the last couple of years with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, he's also been uh, a head coach at the AHL level and has worked with a lot of youngsters there and knows how important it is to develop players down in that league. Uh, and, and then also just on a personal level too, I, I keep hearing stories about what a good guy Luke Richardson is. Scott Powers of The Athletic actually posted another great article today, along with Mark Lazarus, I believe too. Uh, and it was just some stories from Dennis Weidman, Mike Koska, some guys who had played under Luke Richardson in the past, and they just shared some stories about amazing experiences of the type of guy that he is. Be sure to go and check out that article. It's really well done. And if you're not subscribed to The Athletic already, what are you doing? Go and subscribe to The Athletic. Those guys are the top of the chain uh, as far as Blackhawks coverage goes. So be sure to go and check that out because the story is really good. Um, but just sharing stories about how uh, Richardson makes sure that, you know, all players are comfortable. Uh, there was a story in there how, how he talked about at a dinner, he just gave like a minute long speech, making sure that, you know, there's obviously a bunch of different situations going on there with different players on the roster, right? Everyone has their own story and everyone's going through something different. And it's going to be a chaotic ride throughout the way. There's going to be a lot of ups, lots of downs. There's going to be a lot of injuries, players going up and down. But you just want to make sure that everyone understood this was a family here and uh, everyone should just be themselves and feel comfortable regardless of the situation because we all have each other's backs and we're going to go through this journey together. So just kind of an incredible thing for Luke Richardson to say. Uh, and also with that kind of mindset, I think that's something that really hit home with the Blackhawks too, I'm sure, given uh, what, what had taken place this year. We found out about 2010 and all that stuff. Uh, I'm sure they wanted a good leader on the ice and also a very good man off of it. And it sounds like that's just what they got with Luke Richardson. Uh, there are also stories about bag skates, for those of you who don't know. Uh, those are skates where there aren't any pucks or anything. You're just skating and, and working hard on the ice, basically. Uh, but some guys talked about how during bag skates with Richardson, either as a head coach or as an assistant, he'd be out there skating with the guys, you know, to kind of show them that, hey, we're all in this together. Like, I'm I'm just, I'm invested as much as the players are, and I'm a part of this losing skit or whatever it may be, just as much as the players are too. So, you know, he takes him, takes the role very seriously and uh, really makes makes it feel like the team is a family and gives that type of atmosphere. And that's something, you know, the Blackhawks are going to need. Uh, it's going to be tough throughout these next couple of years, more than likely the record's not going to be very good, but someone who's able to keep the guys high, make sure they're all, you know, on the same page, stick with the message and just work hard day in and day out, regardless of what happens there, because you can only focus on the task at hand and can't get caught up in, in too much of that stuff. Just got to focus on the next shift and trying to keep progressing and keep getting better and better and better. So I'm really excited about this hire of Luke Richardson. I've said it many times already on the show. Uh, he seems like a good fit for what the Blackhawks need right now. Uh, so we're obviously going to have to wait and see how it all goes, but I think he's a really good fit uh, given the situation the Blackhawks find themselves in. But interestingly enough, uh, in that article that Scott Powers posted on Friday morning where he first revealed that uh, Richardson was among the final candidates and that the Blackhawks were expected to make their final decision on a head coach in the next week. There were also some other 
tidbits that kind of didn't get mentioned because of the whirlwind that was Friday afternoon. Uh, one of those being the futures of Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. Of course, we've heard rumors about Debrinket obviously being uh, available potentially. Dylan Strom and Dominic Kubalik aren't expected to be back. And there's also been some talk about, hey, if Kane and Taves are willing to waive their no-movement clauses, the Blackhawks might be open to that. Uh, but in that article, Power stated that it doesn't seem likely that that's going to take place this summer. He did say the expectation is for both Kane and Taves to be part of the roster come opening night. So I know a lot of fans out there can take a deep breath. This sounds like some good news. Of course, you know, nothing set in stone and anything can change uh, with the drop of a hat. But uh, it sounds like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tays are pretty secure at this point heading into the season. Those two and Seth Jones really are, are the three locks, I believe, uh, to be on this roster come opening night. I, there's other guys in there too, but of the big name players, those three seem to be locks. Um, Alex Dabrinkit still seems to be out there on the market. Uh, the Blackhawks, you know, they're not, they don't feel like they have to trade him or anything. They're not trying to force him out the door, but if someone gives them an incredible offer, the New Jersey Devils are a team that's been rumored there. Um, then it sounds like it could get done. And Charlie Romeliotis, he was on the David Kaplan show. It was either last night or the night before talking about how the Blackhawks are going to trade to Brinkett. This is the summer to do it before they have to pay him that next contract. Uh, obviously, he's coming off a 40 goal season where, you know, he, he just kind of set career highs across the board, basically, or tied career highs. Uh, he's still very young. Like his um, return value. Uh, is as high as it would ever be. So uh, I do feel that way too. If the Blackhawks are going to trade them, it's now or never. I don't want them to go that route. I'd much rather go through this rebuild with Alex Dabrinkit than without it. Uh, but if they're going to do so, then I do agree this is the time. Uh, but another team that's rumored to be interested is the Seattle Kraken. They have a high pick in this year's draft and uh, a ton of cap space as well. Uh, obviously with their uh, expansion draft, they love themselves a lot of opportunities and didn't take on a lot of bigger contracts when they had a chance to get some pretty big name players. They passed up on that to make sure they have opportunities in the future to go and spend when they want to. Uh, but that's a team who apparently has kind of been in the mix uh, and has been considering going out and acquiring Alex to bring it from the Blackhawks. So I'm sure this conversation is only going to ramp up more and more as we start to approach the NHL draft and free agency coming the week after that. Uh, so it sounds like nothing's really changed much on the Alex Dabrinkit front. He's still out there on the market, but the Blackhawks aren't pushing him out the door by any means. Uh, there was another interesting update on defenseman Caleb Jones, who, of course, is a restricted free agent and is really the one question mark about the defense heading into the offseason. We know that Eric Gustafson and Calvin DeHaan are not going to be brought back. It just doesn't make sense. But apparently the Blackhawks would like to bring Caleb back here in the next couple of weeks. And I've, I've kind of thought they were going to go that route. Uh, Caleb did flash some good potential. I talked about that during a season recap a few days ago. If you haven't checked that out yet, be sure to go and go over to uh, Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. Go and check out the channel. Go to the playlists. There's a season recaps playlist, so you can find all this stuff easily. Click on Caleb Jones because I talked about a lot of good stuff there, such as his zone entries. He was really good at shutting things down at the blue line. He was also one of the few defensemen uh, aside from his brother, that could carry the puck up through the neutral zone and enter the offensive zone and create. So there were certainly some flashes for Caleb um, throughout the way last season. And I I did think that the Blackhawks were going to bring him back. But I will say, 
I feel like if they do bring Caleb back, someone's got to go because we, we know Ian Mitchell's probably on his way up. Alex Vlasic showed some really good stuff in his short tenure at the end of the season. Same with Alec Regula. There's also Isaac Phillips is in that boat too. Jakob Galvis, maybe Nicholas Bodan, even though it was a putrid year for him down in Rockford. Who knows what's going to happen to Wyatt Kalanuck? It just feels like someone else has to go at this point. And I don't, it's not going to be Seth Jones. I don't think they're going to punt on Murphy after just one season, even though he kind of doesn't fit the rebuild right now. Uh, and same with Jake McCabe. I, I do believe that they think he's going to be able to bounce back um, after it was kind of a tough, year, tough first year for him in Chicago. Um, Man, it, it just feels like Riley Stillman would be the defenseman that has to go if they do bring back Caleb Jones. I don't know what the market would be out there for him. Maybe the Blackhawks could get a third-round pick. Uh, I don't see them getting a second. Uh, third or fourth-round pick is probably what I would expect, but if they bring back Caleb, it just feels like it's going to be a little bit too crowded, especially for a team that's not focused all that much on wins and losses. Like You want to be developing young players, and after the year that Mitchell just had, he deserves to be back up in the NHL. and. Uh, you know, Vlasic and Regula are in that same boat. They had success at the end of the season, too, and probably deserve more looks. So it's just going to be a little bit tougher to do that if they do, in fact, go out and sign Caleb Jones, like uh, Scott Powers mentioned in his article late last week. All right, there are a couple of more Blackhawks updates as all 32 teams now enter the rebuild. Forgot real quick, got to give a congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche for taking home the Stanley Cup. I'm going to get more into that on tomorrow's episode, but we're just so jam-packed today because things have been going down for the Blackhawks here as of late. But coming up in just a moment, I'm going to get into forward Tyler Johnson's 2021-2022 season recap. But first, I need to talk to you all about Bet Online. That time of the year again, folks, as baseball season is officially taking over for the summer now that the Stanley Cup playoffs and the NBA Finals are both wrapped up. Uh, baseball season is here to take over, and Bet Online has way more odds and info from game scores, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all sports betting here in 2022. And it's not just baseball from the uh, Esports, golf, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online is both the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and Vegas casino games. Bet online, where the game begins. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Moving on into segment two, it's time to get into forward Tyler Johnson's 2021-2022 season recap. So for Johnson, uh, the Blackhawks basically got him for scot-free from Tampa Bay last offseason when they acquired him and a second-round pick in exchange for a retired Brent Seabrook. That's how desperate the Lightning were to free up some cap space. They're like, hey, we'll, we'll take a retired Brent Seabrook and his $6.8 million on LTIR, and here's a second-round pick in Tyler Johnson. And at that point, we had just gotten Marc-Andre Fleury for free, so it was like, yeah, absolutely, we'll take this on for free, uh, especially when Stan Bowman was trying to uh, skip out on the rebuild and get the Blackhawks competitive again. Tyler Johnson probably, you know, getting him for free probably lit his eyes up. A two-time Stanley Cup champion, a lot of great experience down with Tampa. He has the offense. 
Uh, you've played more of a bottom six role for them in the past few years. Someone who can kind of go up and down the lineup, Swiss Army knife type player. I'm sure Stan Bowman was ecstatic about landing Johnson. Uh, but of course, he wasn't around for very long to see how that would go. Uh, but unfortunately for Johnson, it was a, a really tough year for him. Uh, he It got derailed right before Halloween in Carolina when the Blackhawks were taking on the Hurricanes. He took a hit into the board. I think it was from Marty Natchez and might have been Jordan Martinook. I can't remember. It was so early on in the year. Uh, but Johnson injured his neck, and that actually wound up requiring surgery, and he became the second player after Jack Eichel in NHL history to undergo ADR disc replacement surgery. Uh, the hit was something, though, that that kind of was just the final blow before surgery. This was something that Tyler Johnson had been dealing with. He estimated since back in 2017 or 2018, and it was so bad that he actually was unable to sleep on his stomach for like four years. His neck wasn't, he was uncomfortable and was un, was suffering uh, and feeling some pain when he would do so. Um, and now apparently after undergoing the surgery, uh, everything feels brand new for him. He was saying, and I loved how the Blackhawks didn't give him any grief about that surgery at all. Jack Eichel went through that whole saga with the Buffalo Sabres where they're like, I had no NHL players ever done this. Uh, I completely think it should be the player's decision. I mean, it's their bodies at the end of the day. Like I get why the NHL should have a little bit of input, but the final decision, a hundred percent should, should go down to the player. And when Johnson wanted to get the surgery, the Blackhawks said, yeah, no problem. So uh, just kind of funny how Buffalo made that a huge deal and it wound up costing them a superstar. Um, but anyways, back to Johnson. Yeah. The, the season got derailed real early, right before Halloween. Then he undergoes surgery that keeps him out till uh, I believe it was either early February or early March. Uh, but before the surgery, he got off to a super slow start, as did basically the entire Blackhawks roster. They lost their first, what, seven or eight games, and they didn't have a lead in any of them? Like, it was a brutal stretch, though. It, it's hard to blame Johnson when basically everyone on the roster alongside him was playing just as poorly. Uh, but then he ends up coming back later on in the season and like five or six games back into his return. Dominic Kubelik goes to dump a puck in and hits Johnson right in the head. He goes into concussion protocol, misses more time. So he really was never able to find that stride. It was like three separate seven or eight game sagas for Tyler Johnson throughout the year. So uh, I, I do kind of understand why the numbers, as we're about to go through here in a moment, are a little bit underwhelming. All in all, Tyler Johnson played in 26 games a season for the Blackhawks, finishing with just three goals and four assists for seven points, all career lows across the board. Uh, but given that he only played in 26 games, that, that shouldn't be the least bit surprising. But again, I will say he never got comfortable, never had like a sustained role in the lineup. He was sometimes coming back and he'd be on the second line. There were other times later on in the year where he's playing on the third and fourth and getting like 10 minutes a game. Early on in the year, he was the main power play guy uh, in the bumper role. That didn't go well. He gets hurt. He never really gets back into that. And even when they gave him some looks, he didn't find success. It was just all a struggle for Tyler Johnson this year. Uh, in terms of the power play, though, he never found the back, back of the net once. And I thought that was kind of a huge disappointment. Not that he was a huge power play guy down in Tampa the past couple of seasons. That wasn't his role. Um, but to not find the back of the net once in 26 games, as I said, in some of those uh, later on in the year, he wasn't getting the same opportunity, opportunities that he was earlier on, but 
Uh, the Blackhawks' inability as a whole to f- set up the man in the bumper roll was awful. I mean, Patrick Kane could never find him. It's because they never had a consistent threat down low. Opposing teams never had to worry about what the Blackhawks were doing when the puck went down to the goal line. He wasn't stuffing it to the net. They just looked to pass. So made things a little bit harder on everyone else. Uh, but Tyler Johnson, you know, I, I thought he was going to make more of an impact than he did, especially with how good the power play was looking during the preseason and training camp. It looked like he was uh, on the verge of having a big year in that role and wound up with a whopping zero PPGs on the season. Uh, In total, Tyler Johnson finished with a 10.0 shooting percentage, so not bad, but he only had 30 shots in 26 games, so very limited offensively. Not a lot of high-danger chances whatsoever. Uh, only three found the back of the net. So it was, you know, the numbers say what they will, but wasn't very effective when he only had 30 shots in 26 games. Um, again, it's not like he was an offensive wizard in Tampa, but everyone I think believes he was capable of more than what he showed us this season. And I will cut him some slack because like I said, he was never comfortable, never in a consistent role, was in and out of the lineup all year dealing with injuries. It was just a miracle that he was able to get back if I'm being honest. Uh, but yeah, it was not a, a very pretty year for Tyler Johnson at the end of the day. Can't can't deny it. There's no way around it. Uh, he averaged 12 minutes and 59 seconds, just a little below 13 minutes of time on ice. And that's actually his career low. It had been trending down a little bit. I already mentioned earlier uh, at the beginning of his career with Tampa, he was the top line wizard point per game guy. And then as they kind of progressed as a team and Steven Stamkos had larger roles, Braden Point jumped onto the scene who was uh, no offense to Tyler Johnson, kind of a better Tyler Johnson, if you will. Um, Nikita Kucherov, obviously, and then there's all the big guns that they have right right beside them. Uh, so Johnson took on a little bit more of a defensive role for Tampa Bay. So the numbers were heading in that direction, but to be lower than they were in his past seasons with Tampa Bay, coming to a Blackhawks team where you thought, you'd imagine he was going to get a greater of the lion's share, be a top six guy for the majority of the year. Uh, That's not really how it went. I I didn't look at the numbers in particular, but if I had to guess towards the end of the year when he was playing third, fourth line role, that really probably hindered things. I bet before the injury, he was up around 15, 16 minutes a game. But uh, if Tyler Johnson is around with the Blackhawks next season, I'd guess that number is going to be a little bit higher than just 13 minutes. Uh, An interesting stat that I found in terms of face-off win percentage, Johnson actually won 60.8% of his draws this year, but he only took 51 face-offs in total. Uh, so something the Blackhawks might consider, again, if he is going to be around, is they can use him down the middle. He's been used earlier on in his career, especially he was used as just a center iceman. Uh, he's taken face-offs in the past few years for Tampa Bay, not on a consistent basis, but when they need him to, and he's been right around 50% for the majority of his career. So that could be something that the Blackhawks um, could keep an eye on potentially for next year is that Johnson has the ability to play down the middle if things aren't going well at the wing. Uh, Johnson also finished with 37 hits in his 26 games. And in comparison to in the past when he had played a full year, that was actually a little bit higher in terms of hits per game. So uh, he's courageous. I'll give him that. You know, even when he was dealing with some things, he was willing to throw the body out there, especially for being just a little guy. I mean, when you see Tyler Johnson in person, he's basically me. I mean, pretty little guy out there, but I'm uh, not, not afraid to mix it up, which you always love to see. Uh, in terms of the analytics, last thing we'll get into Johnson finished with a 48.2 Corsi four percentage this season. So even though he wasn't really creating all that much offensively, he was still being responsible in his own zone. And 
that side of the game, we kind of knew what we were getting with Tyler Johnson. He's very well-rounded and plays a 200-foot game. So that didn't surprise me in the least to see. Uh, in his 26 games, he was only on the ice for 16 goals, four at five on five. So again, not a whole lot of contribution offensively from Johnson, but he was also on the ice for only 18 goals against. So despite the low offensive output, he was still pretty good defensively. So I'll give him credit where credit is due in that area. It was probably the highlight of Tyler Johnson's season. Uh, so all in all, taking everything into consideration, uh, it's tough because it obviously was not a good season for Tyler. I mean, probably the worst of his career, but at the same time, he had never gone through injuries like this. He finally got the surgery that he needed. Also dealt with the concussion. Thanks to Dominic Kubalik. Um, all in all, I'm going to give Tyler Johnson a C minus for his performance this year. And I actually want to pull up what you all, the voters uh, selected. I posted this poll before the weekend, before things went to chaos. Uh, so we got to scroll back a little bit here. Uh, let's see what y'all thought about Tyler Johnson. Here we go. 43% gave him a C. Next closest, 41% also gave him a D or an F. So I think I'm pretty close when I say uh, Tyler Johnson earned a C- minus for his performance this year. Of course, if you feel differently, be sure to go and comment down below what grade you think Tyler Johnson deserved for his performance this season. I always like hearing whether I'm right on point with how you feel or whether we have different beliefs, go and let me know in the comment section. It only takes a quick second, so please go and do that. Uh, but taking everything into consideration, I am going to give Tyler Johnson a C- for his performance this year for the Blackhawks. All right, that takes care of Tyler Johnson's 2021-2022 season recap segment. Coming up in just a minute, I still got to get into our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Getting into segment three now before I wrap things up and let you all go enjoy the rest of your Mondays, I still got to get into our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here live on Lockdown Blackhawks. The first question I wanted to answer today comes from at BearsFan1235 on Twitter who asked, what is your stance on rebuilding? What do you believe is the correct way to build a winning franchise in the NHL? Is there a method or is it luck into hot players and build around them? This was a really good question. One I definitely wanted to answer here on the show today. Uh, my stance on rebuilding in particular for when it comes to this Chicago Blackhawks team, it was overtime and overdue. It was, of course, very unfortunate that it had to happen after going and acquiring Marc-Andre Fleury and Seth Jones and making moves to have fans thinking that we were going to be back in the playoff hunt. Uh, it sucked that it had to come after all of that. But honestly, this was something that should have gone down in 2018 or 2019. I mean, it just had to be blown up. And I get that it was tough to do so when Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze were still signed on and when Brent Seabrook was still making the money that he did and Duncan Keith too, um, you know, all having no movement clauses. It, it puts Dan Bowman in a really weird situation, but at the same time, he's the one that did all that stuff. So at the end of the day, it's, he can only blame himself. Um, but yeah, for the Blackhawks in particular, this was something that just needed to be done. I mean, look how thin the prospect pool really is. I mean, aside from a couple of defensemen, 
Uh, and even then we're being generous probably about their potentials. Um, Ian Mitchell is still probably the best defenseman prospect in the system. And it's kind of like, is he going to be a top pairing guy? Probably not. Second pairing guy. We're hopeful. I mean, I hope he's going to be a top pairing guy. It's still too young to tell, but uh, that's the position we're in. We don't even really know. That's how thin the Blackhawks pipeline is right now. And uh, after the output this year in terms of wins and losses, it was kind of a worst case scenario, right? Having that thin of a prospect pool and being so bad at the same time with the current players that you do have. I mean, it really put new general manager Kyle Davidson in, into uh, it backed him into a corner and he had no choice but to go this route. So I do agree that this is the way to go about it for the Blackhawks. Um, you got to go and get those early first round picks. Uh, you got to leave yourself cap space in order to be able to make moves in the future. Uh, so I get the direction they're going with right now. It's all about getting younger, getting faster, getting franchise altering type players, because until you get those, you know, sure you can compete for a playoff spot, but you want to, when you're competing, you don't want to be wasting those years. You want to be in the hunt to take home the Stanley cup. And in order to do that, as we've seen throughout the years, you need franchise altering type players. So I get it. I get why Kyle Davidson is going the route that he is. Um, as for what do you believe is the correct way to build a winning franchise in the NHL? Is it luck into Hall of Fame players or is there a method? Um, I think it's I think it's kind of both. You know, you need to get when you get your draft picks, you need to hit on them. That's the biggest thing. When you get high draft picks, you cannot miss with those. You need superstar players if you're picking inside the top five or even the top ten if you can get lucky. Um, that's really what the key is. You you need those superstars in order to have a chance. And then you also need to be smart with your cap space and also in your scouting and your developing. Um, you need to be able to form a good team around them. You need to develop ingrown talent. And then you also need to be do well in free agency and hit on players, you know, that, that can come in and make an impact and have lesser roles. You know, you obviously want to draft those superstars or leave yourself the cap space to go and sign them in free agency, but the role players you either need to develop or you need to go get in free agency. So that's kind of how it all goes. But for the Blackhawks, first and foremost, you know, Patrick Kane and Alex Debrinkit, they're superstars, but you need more than that, right? And Patrick Kane still has plenty left in the tank. Don't get me wrong. I believe he's only, you know, like a fine wine. The dude's just getting better with age, but we need to have that next wave come in and help him out. And we just don't have that right now. So you need to hit on the the early draft picks. Uh, I, I think that's the biggest thing is you need to have those early picks and develop those young 18, 19 year old players that can change the course of your franchise one day. Uh, so that's personally how I think you'd ideally want to go about it. Right. And for the Blackhawks, I think that's, that's basically what they're thinking. They want early first round picks. They want to do a better job of developing ingrown talent and, you know, helping form an entire roster. Uh, and then also they're not going to be too aggressive right now because in the future, when they do, hopefully develop some of those younger players. They want to be able to be aggressive and go out and nab some players in free agency too. So I think that's kind of the build, the key build that the Blackhawks are looking for right now in this rebuilding process. The second question I wanted to answer today comes from at Toby Soprano, which is just a fantastic Twitter name. Uh, Tony, Toby, I should say, not Tony, Toby Soprano uh, asked, I still don't get it. Why would the Blackhawks want to trade Alex to He's the guy to build a team around, in my opinion. We finished the rebuild in four years. He is still in his prime. What am I missing here? You're not wrong. Like my feelings on Debrinkit, I don't 
don't want to trade him. Like, I'd much rather the Blackhawks go through this rebuild with him unless they're thrown the absolute bag. And even then, it's still not proven. The players that you're going to be picking in the drafts, they aren't proven. We know what Alex Dabrinkit is. He's a 40-goal scorer, 70-point getter, and that could be just the start. So I get it. I'm there. I don't want the Blackhawks to trade Alex Dabrinkit. But something I just talked about a moment ago, you need those high draft picks in order to change the course of your franchise. And clearly what the, the team the Blackhawks have right now isn't getting it done. And if a team could offer you a, you know, a top pick this year and maybe another first next year in the loaded 2023 NHL draft where the Blackhawks, they'll have their own pick, potentially another one, and Tampa Bay's, they get an early pick this year plus three first round picks next year. I mean... Again, I don't want them to trade Alex to bring it, but that's like a, a Brandon Hagel type trade that it, it just would be hard for Kyle Davidson to say no to. So that's my feelings on it. Uh, and again, if the Blackhawks, I talked touched on this earlier in the episode, Charlie Romelio Otis said, if there's a time for the Blackhawks to trade him, it is this summer before any money's dished out. Uh, the, the, the value is the highest it probably will be um, before he gets that deal. So that that's kind of the situation. And, given that the Blackhawks, like, like four years does seem doable, but at the same time, who knows? It could be six or seven years, and Dabrinka will be 30, 31 years old, and you're going to be paying him all that money, limiting yourself a little bit more in the future when your team's not even going to be very good. It's just tough, and I'm sure Kyle Davidson feels like he's in between a rock and a hard place with having to make a decision because I'm sure he doesn't want to trade this, you know, 24 year old superstar who's already a two time 40 goal scorer. But when you can get a massive haul potentially from another team, given the situation the Blackhawks are in right now, they could really use a top pick or two. And it would just be hard to say no to that type of offer. So that's kind of, you know, the breakdown on the Debrinka trade situation. Again, I'm not there. I don't want it to happen, but if it did, and they got that type of return, I would understand why it happened. Um, but that's where the Blackhawks find themselves at right now. I already talked about it earlier in the episode, too. It's not like it's imminent. They're not shoving him out the door, but he is available if someone wants to go out there and make the highest offer. So that's the latest updates that we have on Blackhawks forward Alex Dabrinkit. And again, things are only going to get spicier as we start to enter the real prime time of the offseason in the next couple of weeks. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up Monday, June 27th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you all again for tuning into the show and be sure to go and follow Locked On Blackhawks wherever you listen to your podcast and do me a huge favor, go and subscribe to Locked On Blackhawks on YouTube if you haven't done so already. I would really appreciate it, folks. Go and turn on the push notifications as well and you'll be notified when the episode gets uploaded to YouTube each and every day. And after the show, you got to be sure to go and check out the Lockdown NHL podcast to get all the latest news and updates out of Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Final last night where the Avalanche took home the Stanley Cup, defeating the Tampa Bay Lightning 2-1. to It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to go and check out Lockdown NHL right now wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2. Or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the Blackhawks or to the show, feel free to email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. 
You can also go and hit me up on any one of my Twitter accounts, or you could call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for tuning in to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.